Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Tales of the Unexpected, number 97, cover date October-November 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist J. Scott Pike, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring One Month to Die, writer unknown, art by George Russos, and Auto Man vs. Mutant Man, writer unknown, art by J. Scott Pike. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! Once I believed that when love came to me It would come with rockets, bells, and Roger Boyd has one month to live, unless the Green Glob can set things right. Plus, Auto Man runs afoul of a super-advanced mutant genius who somehow skipped English class. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. How you been? Oh, just great, thank you. Good day at the office. Excellent day at the office. Me too, me too. Got in bright and early, very productive, very Mm -hmm. quiet. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and did you get a nap this evening? A little nap? A little nap. Mm -hmm. I was so tired after the day of these animals that are conspiring to destroy my life. Oh, no. What happened? Well, the cat's up on the countertop knocking bottles off and whatnot, and the dog's in the front window barking and barking and barking, and then little Junebug, my prize and joy, yes. she just sits on the floor and barks at me like she needs permission to get up on the sofa. You know how she does, and she doesn't need any permission at all. No, you know what you need to do? Smack her. No, get a little squirt bottle with some water, and when she barks, just spray her and say, get up on the sofa. You know, my childhood neighbor, Hazel Devitt. Yes. She had long, long white hair, which she wore in a bun. Like a witch. Like a witch. But we, me and my little sister, could see her through my little sister's bedroom window. We could see her in her dressing 
at her dressing table. Table, okay. And she would take her hair down and brush it and brush it, her long white witch hair. Oh, you're kidding. Anyway, she kept a bottle of soapy water on her porch lest any stray dog approach her porch. She would spray it in the eyes with soapy water. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she was a witch. So what's going on with your hair? What do you mean? Oh, it looks so dashing today. Well, I, um, I don't know. I was just lounging on the couch, playfully running my fingers through my hair, I suppose. Hmm. Why? What's it look like? It looks great. It's all big and shocking and all just clever and, and high. Like a... Well, I am a gay man of a certain age, so... It reminds me of a Baptist preacher's hair. As I said, I am a gay man of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> that was certainly unexpected, just like Tales of the Unexpected, awesome. number 97. Yay! We can have a ringside seat to a Titanic battle. It's Ottoman versus Mutantman. Right? Yes. Ottoman, as you recall, is a uh, robot. Robot, yes. He looks nearly identical to Robot Man from okay. the Doom Patrol. Yes. I don't know why they didn't just use Robot Man. Right. Uh, but first... There's a real treat. I'll a say. green glob weirdy. Now, who is the green glob? Well, the green glob uh, originally was just a green glob of gas or something that okay. floats around the universe and helps people out. Okay. Now, in revisionist history, we learn that the green glob is an early experimental creation by the guardians of the universe, a precursor oh. to the Manhunters and the Green Lantern Corps. Okay. Which, uh, so it's actually a very sophisticated machine made of green plasma that floats around the universe and uh, helps individuals reach their potential or wow. learn a lesson. Speaking of learning lessons, mm -hmm. I've learned a lesson tonight, haven't I? What? I purchased Naturally Bold Virgil's Zero Calorie Vanilla Cream Soda. I do like a good vanilla cream soda. What's the lesson that it's terrible? It has... Uh, it smells like vanilla cream soda. Uh -huh. For a microsecond, it tastes like vanilla cream soda. Yep. And the rest of it just it tastes like disappointment. Hits you on the back end, doesn't yeah. it? It's just liquid disappointment. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I could have warned you away from that. Mm. All the zero beverages are terrible except Coke Zero. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, even Pepsi Zero. And you know I love Pepsi. Ugh. Ugh. Well, now, let's get back into this adventure, yes, shall we? For, for Roger Boyd, every single minute of his last month of life was precious beyond words. He's learned his lesson. Life is precious. But what's a guy supposed to do when a band of fantastic creaturemen threatened to destroy a helpless and beautiful girl? It was a rough decision to make for a man who only had one, one month, month to, to die. die. A Green Glob adventure. Uh, well, that's not really accurate because he... Well, let's get into the story. Okay. Poor Roger Boyd on the splash page is surrounded by fiery creatures. Right. With leering demon faces. So we start the story uh, with Roger in the doctor's office. Roger Boyd, Boyd aged 26, looks 40, mm -hmm. listens in shocked silence as his fate is sealed. Why is it that people in olden times, teenagers, looked like they were 40? <laughs> I don't know, because they certainly don't draw them to look that old now. No. Well, no, I'm even saying in photographs. Like my father's high school yearbook, he looks legit 40 years old. <laughs> I don't know. So his doctor says, I'll give you two straight, Boyd. No one in the medical history has ever survived the rare disease you have. And no one has ever lived longer than one month. Well, that is horrible bedside manner. Yes. It's awful. This, this is, is like 
Awful. I mean, he's lucky that he even told him that. Like Betty Davis in Dark Victory. When oh, yeah. She accidentally sees the doctor's note. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so he says, you know, of course he's ruminating on this, as, as of course one would. One month to live. As the doomed man leaves the ex- examining room, his eyes meet those of the pretty nurse, and his heart weighs even heavier in his breast. And the way that I read this in my mind was because he has these ellipses between every word was so William Shatner-esque. Did you read it that way? No, but uh, I'm not opposed to the idea. I'll allow it. I could learn to love someone like her, and she seems to be interested in me, but there isn't time. Right? That's pretty good. Okay. It's not quite Shatner, but... uh, All right. Well, what would you do with one month to live? I'd go to Switzerland, oh, like yes. Roger Boyd yes. is. Uh, it's quiet, peaceful, beautiful, mountains, rivers, streams, sky, clouds, you know, the same sorts of things every other country has. Yes, but Switzerland is yes, beautiful. Yes, it is. Uh, now, through his hotel window, in the nick of time comes the green glob and alights on Roger's passport for some reason. How strange. Right. Instantly. Roger Boyd blinks in astonishment at his weird surroundings. He's been transported to another world. Another a strange world. These strange trees and caves and a girl being kidnapped by ice men. Look at them. They're literally made of ice. They are dragging this girl into a mountain cave. He is compelled to help her. But then he says, no, wait, what? Why would I help her? I've only got three weeks to live. But he can't just stand aside while she's, she's screaming trouble, for help. Exactly. So the, the Icemen, uh, by the way, they, they look like they're made of, carved out of ice. But they look not, like ice robots. Ice robots, that's good, because they have ice cubes for heads. Mm-hmm. Shortly uh, after, as he peers into the cavern, so they're saying to each other, she will not survive for very long in that sealed ice chamber. So they seal her up inside of an ice chamber. Right. And I shall make certain that no one can rescue her. Burr, Roger's so cold, he feels like an Iceman himself, but he's going to try. He goes into the cave, and what happens? Yeah. He's, he's attacked by ice spears yeah, coming they seem down to be motion from all activated, right? directions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got an idea. He's going to take his jacket off, throw it into the cave, and the spears are going to attack the jacket. Yes. And that's exactly what happens. Very clever. Now. Would you think to do something like that? No. No, me neither. I would leave. I'd go to try to find the police or the <laughs> gendarme as they have in Switzerland. <laughs> Uh, now, he goes and gets the girl, breaks her out of her ice prison. Mm-hmm. She explains that, uh, well, first of all, he thinks she looks familiar. Well, she 100% looks like a Nazi. But she also looks like that nurse back in the office. Oh, yes, but she, with the buns on her side? She yeah. looks like some sort of Helga Nazi from a... Hansi, the girl of the Nazis. That's an actual name of a comic book. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, she is Princess Ida Harry. That sounds like a drag queen name. Ida Harry. <laughs> Ada. Ada Harry. Ada Harry. Ada Harry. Ada Harry. And those men are an evil band of creature men who can change their bodies at will. They wish to destroy my father, the king, and me, so they can rule our kingdom. According to their code, they cannot kill directly. Objection. Yes. If they trap her in an ice cave... They are directly killing her. Yes. If they surround someone with flames of bodies, bodied flames, they are directly killing yes. that. Yeah. They I might, have a problem with that. Now, I don't know the legalities of this kingdom. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they might be able to get off on a technicality because they didn't actually take an ice spear in their hands and plunge and, it into, yeah, her, into heart. her heart. But yes. they did trap her in an ice cave where she cannot survive. And he says, I get it. They could only destroy you by letting you perish in the sub-freezing cell. Okay, there's no ellipses there, but... Okay. I'll stop it with the William Shatner voice. I really don't do a good William Shatner voice. Nobody does a good Shat except Shat. Except Shatner, right. Uh, now, these creatures now have turned themselves into fire where they have surrounded the castle to go after this poor Ida Harry's father. <laughs> Ida Harry. <laughs> she begs Roger to save her father. Uh-huh. But what choice does he have? Right. Off he goes. Rushing into the fire creatures to distract them and get them away from the king. The surround. What's the king doing out there all by himself in front of, in the middle of a field? Well, he was probably maybe he's a servant king and he was out plowing the fields or harvesting wheat or something. Hmm. Uh, For I am the servant king. Do, 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 do. I plow and till and till and plow. I am a servant king. Uh, he Roger distracts them and. Leads them up a hill. And how does he distract them, Bob? By running and going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what I would do if I was trying to, like, get rid of Lassie or something to <laughs> save her life. You get out go, of here, Lassie. Yeah, go, go away. Go on. Uh, nope. Yeah, yeah. Follow me. Follow me. They are catching up to him. The heat is very intense. Mm -hmm. He's certain that he's a goner. He's losing the ability to breathe because, of course, the fire They're eating up all the oxygen. sucking up the oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, but Ida Harry's been busy on her own. She has gone up to the dam. Signaled. Signaled her men up at the dam. And apparently they have an easy way to just open the dam up. Well, dams should, I mean, if you have a dam that is a hydroelectric plant, you have a way of opening it up to release water. Too much water can damage, the, can, if, it, if the water gets to a certain height and it's not released, it can cause damage. Is that so? Yes, you know that to be true. Well, I, doesn't, I don't see any mechanism. This looks like these men just raise it up. Oh, you mean that tower that they're standing behind with the wheel on top? At the top of page seven in the middle panel? She's pointing, see that? She's Maybe pointing you missed it. at the men, and they're waving as if she, the men have to what do What are they standing beside? The dam. What is that structure with the round I don't top? know. It's so poorly drawn, I can't tell what it is. It looks like a jackpot machine. I'll give you that. It really is poorly drawn. Anyway, from the dam, a thousand gallons of water thunder down the Just a thousand. Side. Yes, one Just thousand. Just a thousand gallons exactly of water. Exactly one thousand. That's like a pool. <laughs> uh... Oh, remind me to tell you something after this. Okay. Uh, just as Roger hoped... <gasps> remind me to tell you about the eagle. The water extinguishes the fire creatures, so so he's murdered now. Now he he's is murdered, murderer. too. He's a murderer. Uh, and finally, he turns for one more glimpse of the beautiful princess, Ida Harry, but she's gone. And everything else, the entire weird world is gone. He's back at the... Switzerland! The one month later... He's back home contemplating his mortality because he's not dead yet. And it's already been a month. Yeah, he's like, according to the doctor, I should have been dead days ago. I better get back to him. But I never felt better in my life. So following a swift flight home and after a complete examination, the doctor is befuddled. There's no trace of that rare virus in mm. your system. You're mm. completely cured. What could have done it? 
He said, tell me, Doc, would subjecting the virus to the extremes of cold and heat destroy it by any chance? Why, possibly, yes. Yes, it could. So you mean to tell me that in all of medical history, in the, with this rare virus that is 100% fatal, they didn't try, like, inducing a fever or an ice bath? To be fair, because what is this, the green glob? The green glob, yes. Well, I think that because this is a fantastic episode or fantastic story probably they don't induce heat and cold to the point of the person nearly dying no but i feel like inducing a fever is a thing i mean of course it's only going to work on bacterial infections but oh no viruses can can be killed with heat and cold that's exactly oh (laughs) okay that's my point okay yeah well there is a romantic epilogue to this strange story Mm. Yes. The girl, the nurse. Eda Harry. Eda Harry. He realizes that she's the spitting image of Princess Eda, and she's even got, got the, the same, same initials. initials on her handbag. Oh, my God. That's why I thought maybe it was a dream, but it couldn't have been a dream. No, which, as all nurses do, she keeps her pocketbook prominently displayed at the top of the reception desk in the doctor's office. Well, that's because she's got to be checked to make sure that she's not taking home prescriptions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's just going out to the to this automat. God, I wish we had an automat to go to. Speaking of, of a thousand gallons. Yes. Uh, a listener contacted me Uh-oh. via social media this week. Okay. Very concerned that our septic tank hasn't been d- emptied in five years. What The, the, the recommended... Time schedule for him to uh, take us five he years. He claims, this is a friend of the podcast, so I'm not going to name names, but he okay. claims that he empties his every six months, and that's what's recommended. Oh, my God. Now what? It, no. Well, no. Well, but, no, but, wait a second. Wait. Does it, is it dependent on the size of the yes. tank? Okay. All yes. right. All right. All right. Yes. So we have a giant tank. Yeah. I, I'm assuming so. It hasn't backed up into our house. No. But and the one next door hadn't been drained for 20 years. 20 years. So, but we are calling. We're going to have it done. Oh, so yeah. But we're not going to call those that other guy. No. What? Silly Sam and his septic suckers? <laughs> plural. There was only one of him. Ugh, no. The people that came here. Yeah. Next yeah. door. There Same day service. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, listener, thank you for your concern. But I knew Dr. Husband would have all the answers. Listener, you're full of... No, he isn't because he's he's not full of anything. He's having a septic drain every six months. Well, maybe he has a tiny septic system. That's what we figured. Yeah, like like a we bo- just figured. Like a boutique septic system <laughs> for a family of one. I have no idea who this is. It doesn't matter. It's so, a friend of the podcast. I That's trust all you it's need a friend. to know. Thank you. Thank you. I don't mean to insult you at all. I'm having fun. That's all. Fun is not what we're here for. Can we pause for a second, please? Yes, I have to play a uh, promo anyway. Good. Be right back. get when a fantasy gaming horror sci-fi geek and an army veteran history nerd want to do a comic book related podcast why you get the weird warriors podcast of course weird war tales was a 124 issue dc comic book series published from 1971 to 1983 along the way we'll sidetrack on to an occasional special mission where we discuss an issue of a like themed comic book from a different title or publisher there are also the rare road warriors episodes where we report on comic related road trips like conventions or visiting the homes and grave sites 
comic greats. We'll nitpick what the comics creative team got wrong and crawl about what they got right. We'll also break down the facts behind the fiction in the stories which is sometimes quite weird in its own right. Even the letters page and our favorite ads can't escape our judgment, just as we can't escape yours in our own dead letter office mailbag. Torpedo-eating dinosaurs. Haunted chateaus. Time-traveling rats. Zombie robots. Day-walking vampires. Gargoyle armies. And that's just in the first 20. Weird War Tales episodes. So, report for duty with the Weird Warriors podcast with Max and Rich, where we promise to make war no more. Auto Man, Auto Man, does whatever an auto can, drives around honking horns, goes around in the... Well, I haven't finished all the lyrics Obviously yet. not. Uh, auto Man... Ottoman. ...is a robot. Versus Mutant Man. He's a graduate of Robot College... Now, he's a leading graduate. Does one have to go to school very long when one's an Ottoman? See, I'm very confused because I... Doesn't one have to just download it into some sort of device, like a thumb drive or something? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute because I have some questions about his uh, construction. Okay. Cat, um, if you continue to make noise, you're going to become guitar strings. <laughs> um... And Ottoman is a leading graduate, and he's sent out on missions by okay. whomever. Okay. We'll get to that. On a wild island, the mechanical marvel pursues and battles a giant humanoid whose muscle power matches Ottoman's okay. horsepower, and whose brain power equals the metalman's computer power. In a battle of brain as well as brawn, the gear-and-wheel grad of robot tech for once cannot tell the outcome of his strange contest in... Ottoman versus Mutantman. Now, we just read that the mutant's brain power equals the metal man's. Okay. And the first thing that the mutant man says is, Ho, ho, me can outpull <laughs> puny tin man any time. <laughs> I know. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he's dressed like a caveman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, where did he get the leopard Le loin? The leopard loincloth, <laughs> right. Yeah. Serape. I have a lot of questions. Oh, good. Once more, Professor Sterling of Robot Tech has hired out his star graduate for an unusual mission. Doc Barton has a biological lab on Lo Loon Island. Loon Island, Alderman. You ought to hunt down a mysterious marauder there. He'll pay a good fee. Which Sorry. I'll turn over to Robot Tech, Professor. <laughs> the, so he's hiring out this robot he's a, to he's go a, do manual labor. For which he is paid, and then he's forced to turn his money over to Robot Tech. That's What's called prostitution. What does Robotman have for money? What? Use for, what, what use does Robotman have for money? He's got to get polished up, doesn't he? I'm sure it's always available to him. He's a star graduate of a Robot Tech or whatever it's called. Robot, Still, Robot it's slavery, college. and it's not right. Okay. Later, following the directions, he arrives on Loon Island. Loon Island. Uh, now, Doc Barton. <laughs> Doc Barton claims he was the only inhabitant until this mysterious marauder appeared. So Doc Barton looks a lot like Henry Fonda, circa on Golden Pond. Oh, well done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, 
He explains that only a robot like you could hunt down the creature I saw, a powerful giant humanoid ten feet tall. But where did he come from? Outer space? Underground? The sea bottom? I don't know, Ottoman, but I want to find out. Remember, you must capture him alive for scientific study. It may not be easy, for the man-giant seems to be extremely cunning. He just I'll can't. start right away, sir. Oh, nice touch. Thank you. Cream soda does have a use. Uh-huh. So Ottoman tracks the giant footprints into the jungle, and what do you know? Here comes the mutant man. Again, he's described as clever, but his first words are, Grrr, mutant men know like tin can man. Good thing I heard a twig snap. Well, what a nice friendly welcome. Infuriating me, sorry, initiating me into the club club. Eh. Club club, because the yeah. ju- mutant man has a I, giant wooden club. I couldn't club. see over my stupid can, and it's not a very good, it's not giving me the effect I want. Anyway, mutant man, me no like. Me no <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> it is. Uh, Ottoman <sighs> grabs up his own wooden club and goes to town. Uh, this mutant man is very strong. He throws a boulder at Ottoman. He Wouldn't swings. You like to be strong enough to throw a boulder uh, and not hurt I your back. Yes. I mean, just strong enough to like. You know, oh, I don't like the Prius is sitting here. I think I'll just move it over a few feet so I can. And then that would be awesome. Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you can destroy things, just like be strong enough to do stuff like that. Like, you know, you're in here vacuuming or whatever, you just lean, lean on or just pick up the table and hold it up like Rosie, the robot from the Jetsons. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That also reminds me of something. My childhood was destroyed this week. Because uh, I was. What? I forgot to tell you about the Eagle. But that's oh. okay. That's uh, your story. Go ahead. I was watching the pilot movie of six million dollar man yes i heard it he gets his bionics mm-hmm. um and not a lot of music in that no and they're you know showing the diagram of his arms and his legs and whatnot mm-hmm. and how his arms going to be super strong and i just uh with my adult brain because as you know i'm super genius yeah i thought well he can't what's the use is a super strong arm he doesn't have the infrastructure in his back muscles or his hips or, or anything in his spine yeah. like what about the other things that attach to break his back well perhaps yeah yeah <sighs> can i tell you about the eagle now yes please do so you remember last season yes. last season a tragic we had the tragedy story. we had that we had that eagle that showed up in, in our neighbor's yard and i you know tried to feed it and tried to take care of it yep. and called a million people yep, on the yep, phone yep. And all the rescue organizations and it died yep. and then i had to do, talk to the dnr department of natural resources uh-huh. and talk to a ranger and i got permission to dispose of it but i and they said you could just put it in the trash but put don't it keep it in the trash and i said no i'm going to burn it because i yes. had a burn pile and i burned it yep. well <clears throat> and i I took a picture of it. You know, I did a little ceremony with sure, incense sure, and stuff sure. like that because that's just how I am, right? Well, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? I looked out the window the uh-huh. other day. I was having my coffee, and it was another eagle sitting on top of the the swing set. Uh huh. It's a juvenile. I couldn't believe it. It's not a. It's not a hawk. Right. We know what those. It's another juvenile eagle. Okay. I, what are the chances? Well, you already told me that part. I thought there was going to be some new information. But I didn't share it with their audience. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Right, 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 right. And I, so I, calls, I, I 
texted my friend who's um, part of a Native American tribe and I told her, oh, you won't believe it. I have another eagle in my yard. She goes, what? I'm so jealous. I said, I know. She goes, how is it that another eagle showing up in your yard? I said, well, we had this out in the back of our property. We had this big swing set out in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, not, you know, like a porch swing on, on, right, a, right, on right. a frame. And it seems to be the perfect, the ideal spot for the eagle to sit around and look for rodents, I guess. Wow. Uh, well, being that the last juvenile eagles starved to death, maybe we should preemptively sh throw some chunks of meat out there or something. I don't know. I I don't. I'll just have to keep an eye out for it. I suppose. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Yes. We do live close to the Potomac River, and there are a lot of the last ten year there were like nesting pairs yeah, in our area. Pairs, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bah. Capture me, tin can man, if you can. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So a uh, mutant man is swinging away on vines. But he's too heavy when he gets to a limb on a tree. The Ottoman is not. The, I'm, not I'm the so, so sorry. Yes, it's Ottoman. Ottoman's chasing after him. But he's too heavy because, of course, he's made um, out of metal. And then he lands in some soft sand. Soft sand. And then I want to know what kind of an island this is because there are pyroclastic mountains in the background. Yes. Good, good term. Thank you. Uh, there's soft sand surrounding a pit of molten lava. <laughs> okay, well, maybe this is kind of like a Yellowstone situation. Okay, but why would they call it Loon Island? There's I don't know. be loons nesting around uh, molten on a lava. volcanic island. <laughs> well, there's lots of wild. There's lots of wildlife in Yellowstone. Yes, but also you can't have a pit of lava adjacent to deciduous forest which yes. is where we're coming yes out you of. can i don't think so uh oh i can pull up our picture okay well you can't actually see a pit of lava in yellowstone but you can see uh gaseous pits and mud pits and thermal pits and all yes, sorts but of that, things then there's just scrub pines around not oak trees which is what ottoman is standing neath i would agree with you that it's probably very very difficult to have a pit of molten lava active molten lava that one can fall into right next to an oak tree because it would be so hot everything would be burned away and also sand is this like uh qu lava quicksand because that would actually be awesome <laughs> yes. well we know he has a cowboy programming because he uses his lasso yes he lassoes the mutant man, and now they're going to have a tug of war over the pool of molten lava. And this is Yikes. a weird thing. What? Because Ottoman gets pulled into the lava and is not hurt. No, because luckily he has hyper-refractory outer metal skin, which is impervious to melting. Really? Because then how was he made in the first place? How was he forged? I guess there's an outer shell. What do they spray it on? Is that like when you go to the store and you buy um, Krylon acrylic, clear acrylic, and you spray it on a robot, and now it's impervious to all sorts of heat? I don't know, because I don't shop at those kind of stores. That's your department. And I call it secular church. Um, the hardware stores. I no. think I might have a listener who understands how very, very exciting it is to go to the hardware store. Hmm. At least one. Now, Ottoman's going to try to uh, traverse a chasm... So that he can get to the other side and surprise mutant man. He's kind of an idiot. A bumbling idiot. He runs across this log that's over the chasm, but again, he is too heavy. The log is rotten and breaks under his weight. He's going to fall a thousand feet down to sharp rocks, which would smash even him into auto junk. Luckily, his entire torso <laughs> is hollow and contains a parachute. <clears throat> First of all, Yes. If his torso 
which is the largest part of his body is hollow. Why is he so heavy? <laughs> Good question. Second of all, yes. Where what's operating him? Where are the mechanics? Uh, you but, can't just have robot arms, legs, and no infrastructure, a la the six million dollar man. Right. We already know that if the six million dollar man actually tried to lift a car, he'd rip his arm right off of his body. Yes. Maybe the arm itself could lift it, but the rest of himself can't do it. Sure. Does he, have to, does he have two bionic legs? Yeah. Maybe they ran a, a rod steel up his spine or something, or reinforced his spine. It could be. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Thank God his chest wasn't damaged. Oh, That's I know, all I right? have to say. <sighs> but when Ottoman resumes the pursuit, he finds that Mutantman is using his brain as well as his brawn, finally. Uh, he's not using his brain for dialogue because he says, <laughs> Me bang this fortune dead tree and rattle your tin brain to pieces. <sighs> I mean, I guess you could be super intelligent and not learn grammar. Uh, okay, in this world. Sure. Sure. And he says, oh my gosh, any crystalline rock or metal is susceptible to sound vibrations. The, the, this w will interfere w with m m my me mechanical b b b brain. Swiftly, Ottoman seizes a hanging vine and swings over to this vibrating tree. Uh using himself as a mallet and uh, bang the tree with opposite vibrations. I don't understand what's happening. I imagine that you, you've got two, you know that you can use sound to cancel out sound, but it's not as, as I mean, it, it was an incredible stroke of luck that he happened to bang into a tree that perfectly canceled out the sound waves of the other, right? That's how you use noise canceling technology. Or sound, no, you know, noise canceling headphones. Yes, they they constantly assess the the sound waves that are coming in and send out sound waves that counteract that sound, mm -hmm. which makes it quiet. What he needs is spinning arms like the Flash, so he can create cyclones with his arms. Don't even start on that. The robot. You know how I feel about the cyclone I arms. I know. I know. Okay, the robot hunt continues. Ottoman's cunning quarry next dashes into a cave with mocking words. Ho, dishpan man. Inside his maze of tunnels, you never guess which way me go. Is Ottoman stumped? He's found a cave full of trash. Yes. Trash. Trash on the island of Loons. Yes. Loon Island, sorry. Uh, there are, it's a hard stone floor, so there's no footprints. Um, there are many tunnels. He has no way to deduce which way Mutant Man went. But he hotwires himself. Catches some of this rubbish on fire, creates uh, smoke signals into each of the tunnels, and smokes Mutant Man out. And then Mutant Man seems to run out with a handful of water. Uh huh. Uh, let's hope it's water. Uh, what? What? What the hell? Like uh, your hands cannot hold that much water that you're firing what appears to be. Uh, Ten gallons of gushing water from your palms. Is that a superpower? Um, I imagine he scooped up the water from somewhere and just uh, flinging it in Ottoman's face. Yeah. Which, uh, as you know, will wet Ottoman's eye lenses and blur his vision long enough for Mutantman to escape. Doesn't he have, like, infrared vision or something? Something. Well, there's no room for that. He had, had to have that parachute in his chest. No room for infrared vision. <laughs> or a windshield wipers. Tiny uh, little windshield wipers. Now, Ottoman is uh, stumbling out of the cave, uh -huh. concerned that the water 
might short circuit something inside of him. He could survive boiling pit of lava, but not getting splashed with water. Well, was he made by Apple? <laughs> Mutant man's delighting in whatever's happening. Ottoman collapses to the ground. Clank. Whirr. His main locomotor generator is going dead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ho ho! Him flop like piece of junk. Me capture him now for toy. But as Butenman touches Ottoman's lifeless body, yeah, me feel a big shock. Yeah, sure, Mutantman, I'm waterproof. Ta-da! I only pretended to repair myself, but really rewired myself so all my generator's voltage went through my outer metal skin. The jolt will knock you out. Oh, sorry, I wasn't talking like a robot. The jolt will knock you out, but without permanent harm. After rehooking his internal wiring system back to normal and using some strong vine. Remember that, after rehooking his wiring system back to normal. Okay. Um, he's dragging Mutantman back to Doc Barton's lab. As his prisoner. Uh, just then Mutantman says, wait, I only pretended to speak in primitive language. Actually, I am... It's Uncle Don't Quentin. Quentin. Um, no, it's actually Doc Barton. He is the mutant man. He says, yes, I know, Doc Barton. Uh, you knew I was the man who hired you all the time? Yes, he did. He suspected it when he noticed only one set of footprints going toward the rear of the lab, but couldn't find any leaving from the back. Maybe it was Jesus carrying him on the beach. <laughs> Jesus is carrying him when he was too tired to make it himself. Clever deduction, Ottoman. You see, I devised a biogenetic ray to change me into one of those evolutionary mutants. After one brief transformation, I decided to match myself against a robot like you in the interest of the science of genetics. Look at the things he's trying to turn himself into. A two-headed man, a six-armed man. A, a fishman. A fishman. A horseman. Yeah. He's... I... I think someone should <laughs> commit him. Call the authorities. Uh, just then, his heart starts to fail. An unexpected result of the genetic mutant ray. He needs to be changed back to human form right away, but the ray machine is gone. Yep. Who took it? If you don't bring it back soon, Ottoman, I'll die. Ottoman sprints out of the lab. He sees another mutantman, also dressed in caveman clothes. Making away with the genetic mutant ray. Right. Uh, so, Ottoman has no time to waste. He just rushes right into battle, uses a judo trick, and flip the mutant man away from the ray machine. And then he flips over and turns the ray machine on the other mutant man, who becomes a fully clothed uh, criminal. With Isn't that, is this what's magic? Not only is it a magic... Uh, Gun that, uh, yeah. excuse me, array that changes your genetic material, but also changes your clothes. Well, at least what I'll say is that the mutant man is wearing a purple loincloth, and when he turns back human, he's got purple Fred Mertz pants. <laughs> Unlike Doc Barton, who somewhere on his body must be wearing leopard print. Oh, probably his underwear. Probably. Yeah. Uh, lingerie, we called it in the old days. Sure. Uh, Ottoman instantly recognizes this fellow from the police rogues gallery. <gasps> that reminds me. Tonight when I was in the grocery store getting our groceries for our dinner, mm-hmm. I saw a woman in the frozen food section, and she was wearing hot pants. Yes. Black heels. Yes. Gray hot pants, black heels, a cheetah print 
jacket and black leather gloves. Queen. Oh, she was rocking it. Hot pants, like short, short hot pants. Oh, I don't know, like like the really tight, tight pants. What do you call those? Like like stretch pants. Stretch pants. Yeah. Capris. Well, capris are something that remind me of beach. Just like you know, really tight pants. Like okay. if you know, like like tight leather black pants would be, but they yeah, weren't yeah, leather. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just looked fantastic. Good I wanted to say, I, I wanted to say, you look fantastic, but I just didn't want to make her no, feel creepy. That's, that that is creepy. Yeah. Uh, what'd she buy? That's what I would have wanted to know. I would have followed her around to see what she's getting at the store. Oh, I had to run away from that damn floor cleaner. That awful robot floor cleaner, Marty, is that what his name is? Marty. If oh. you have, listener, uh, Martin's Grocery Store or oh. Albertson's, uh, they have a robot with googly eyes that... I don't know what it's there for, but it follows you around the store. And it's, every time you turn around, it's right behind you. Right behind you. I swear to God, I was in the produce section first, and it followed me around. Then it followed me to the de- it followed me uh-huh. from the produce section to the deli section. Sure. And it stopped right beside me. And I was there standing beside I said, I literally looked at it, and I said, move along. There's nothing for you to see here. I did. I talked to it. Yeah. And then I went and did my, my, my shopping, and I came right back around from the frozen foods, and the damn thing met me right by the cash registers. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I see you've got nowhere else to go. You know? I mean, no one could hear me talking to it. Right. Unless there's a microphone attached to it in the recording. There probably is. It's probably, like, theft deterrent. Oh, my God. Uh, you know they have plushy toys of that now. I'll get you one for your birthday. No, no, don't waste the money, please. I'd rather just go to the grocery store and follow it around. So... Uh, this criminal, Hold Up Hogan, uh, slipped off a party boat and swam to the island as a hideout, mm-hmm. just in time to see Doc Barton changing himself into that giant. And he figured that the genetic ray would be great for some crime. You could pull jobs as mutant man, then change back to human, baffling all police. And then Robert Min says to him, of course, it would have doomed him because uh, being a mutant more than a certain length of time brings death. Right. Gagosh, you saved my life too by stopping me, Ottoman. Thanks. Why don't you tie me up and take me to jail now? <laughs> so Doc Barton is going to try to perfect a better genetic mutant ray because this model would be too dangerous in criminal hands. So I smashed it. Well, he Just, built it in the first place. I guess right. he could do another one. I hope he kept his notes. Or I hope he recycles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... Now, he forgot to pay Ottoman. Ottoman says, no, never mind. The reward for bringing in Hold Up Hogan will amply cover it. Okay, because I, I was going to say that professor expects him to bring back some dough. Professor Sterling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, Ottoman, you performed your service. Don't. Yeah, he could actually bring back the cr- criminal, collect money for that. And More get money. Yeah. Yes, that's how you get an endowment for the university. Mm-hmm. Back at Robot Tech, after reporting to Professor Sterling... That's how I do it. What? Fight crime. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, Great job, Ottoman, with your cool, calculated computer brain. You never make mistakes. Yeah! Ottoman didn't fix all of his wiring. Mm. He gave Professor Sterling a shock. Well, you had said something about remember the wiring. Yeah, because I... But I guess he does acknowledge that he didn't fix it all. And it's funny he didn't end with an ah, 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 Correct. Yeah. This is the third and final appearance of Auto Men in Tales of the Unexpected. Oh, thank God. He will return 20 years later oh. in the pages of DC Comics Presents in a story explaining whatever happened to Star Hawkins. 
and Ottoman settles down with Star Hawkins's robot secretary Ilda, <laughs> and they uh, go to teach at robot detective school for robots that want to become detectives. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this is, I, I have to say how disappointing, again, this cream soda, cream soda is. Soda, yeah, I tasted it's, it during It's pretty break. horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it literally tastes like just sadness. Disappointment and sadness. It tastes like, you know how when you um, take the recycle out and like there's... Like my childhood. <laughs> when you take the recycle out, you dump it, and then in your recycle bucket, there's like little bits of whatever poured out of the bottles yes and it looks like yellowish goo yeah that's that that's that yeah it looks like that yeah um you can find us on social media at go go check pod you can rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and you can find us right back here next week you know it bye, bye. that's getting better